A woman on a business trip to Africa was shown to her room. To her great confusion, they were setting up a second bed in her room, even though she told them repeatedly she was traveling alone. Shalom. Welcome to Bridges to the Bible. I'm Brian Johnson. And I'm Marsha Johnson. This seems rather inconsiderate of them. Why didn't they give her her own room? What were they thinking? The place that this person was visiting was very communally focused. And so they thought they were being so hospitable to her. In fact, they told her the reason why they were setting up the extra bed was, don't worry, honey, we know that uh, you're traveling alone and we don't want you to be lonely, so we're, we're going to put someone else in here with you. That's really different than our culture. Sure is. Uh, this is a series on biblical culture, focusing on the communal aspects of biblical culture, because their focus is a lot more community-focused than ours. You can go to bridgestothebible.com to download the episode guide for this lesson, where you can find study notes to follow along, discussion questions, and more. So we're studying biblical culture so that we can help get past some of the cultural assumptions that we might bring to Scripture, such as this traveler's assumption that nobody else would be you know, staying in her room. Um, and then we're also studying biblical culture so that we can help uncover what is not being said by the biblical author, things that they just assumed that we would know were running in the background. And their cultural worldview was quite a bit different than ours. So today, let's compare and contrast these cultures, ours and theirs. So the worldview in the Bible comes more from an Eastern perspective than our Western perspective. And the Israelites were a subset of this Eastern perspective. Sometimes we refer to it as the Hebraic worldview, in contrast to our modern Western mindset. So let's compare these. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Let's do some role playing. And I'll, I'll be the ancient Israelite. So what makes you so qualified, Mr. Brian, to be playing the role of the Eastern mindset? Well, I just so happen to play an extra in the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular. Do you realize that you just said something that you assumed people would know? That you're talking about Disney World. I guess so. And let's see here. I think just like I had a costume there, should have a costume for this. So, you know, just like when we had church plays growing up, I'll, I'll throw on a bathroom because that is just like what an ancient Israelite would wear. That'll be perfect. And I'll be explaining the modern worldview. So as far as my costume, uh, I guess I'm actually all set just the way I am. All right, let's do this. Welcome to World of the Bible. I'm your host, Carol Lee, and we have brought someone all the way to our studio today from Galilee and Israel from the first century. Please join me in welcoming Gidon. Shalom. Thank you for coming this long distance. Please introduce yourself to us. My name is Gidon, son of Yoash, son of Abimelech, from the tribe of Ephraim. 
the live in the town of Afek. Uh, I have seven sons and daughters. I have five brothers and sisters. Well, tell me what you do. Well, I, I'm a, I have a vineyard that I tend, but it's between the vineyards of Eliezer and Shimon. You know, Eliezer, he's married to my... Uh, okay, you know, that, that's nice, but you know, getting back to you, we're trying to get to know you. Um, for example, tell me what you're going to be doing when you get back home. Well, I'll be dropping by Moshe's house after pruning some of my vineyard. I borrowed some tools from him. It's been a couple of days since we've talked. Uh, and recently he got some new goats and they make some of the best cheese. So I'm hoping to get a little bit of that, bring it home, and my wife will be waiting. She'll have dinner waiting. I'll have some cheese to bring for be a part of it. We'll have a nice long dinner and talk and relax until it gets dark. And that's when it's basically time for bed. Wow. In contrast, my meals, I am just usually eat on the run, very rushed, and I usually eat by myself. Although I, I do once a week try to make a really nice meal for my husband and myself, and we sit and watch the news while we eat it. Uh, we do, though, you know, a couple of times, a few times a year, have a nice meal with our whole extended family. Um, do you see your extended family very much? Well, I mean, my brother lives in the room next door, and our other brother next to him, and my cousins are across the courtyard from me, and I see them every day. Ah, well, my extended family lives all across the country, and my sons that are grown now, um, they've moved into different states, and we only see them about two times a year. That is so sad. I, for us, we just build and add on to our homes as the family grows. I mean, the, the sons add on and the daughters get married and go live with their husbands. And for instance, Eliezer, uh, his son is getting married soon. And so uh, he and his son are working to add on a new room to their family estate. And then when they're all done, his daughter, his new bride will come and live with them. You know, I was at the village wine press, actually, just a few days ago with Eliezer. And he was, you know, we were talking about the upcoming wedding. And I mentioned to him, how my son, he's starting to become quite the musician. And so I was thinking, you know, you could maybe he would be a good fit to be in the wedding to play. And, you know, that evening, Eliezer and his son and a few others stopped by while we were having dinner and they sat down. Well, wait, and well, wait a minute, that just sounds really rude. You mean you were eating nice private dinner at your home and they just barge on in? I mean, it's a public place. I mean, the people come and they just come and go there. I mean, the, the back of the house is what you would be called private, I guess. Oh, I guess we look at our home as really private. In fact, we really like our privacy. We uh, love to build these like decks on the back of our house and we can sit back there and not see anybody else. Uh, I guess we really don't know our neighbors very much. That's so sad to be so isolated. We've lived in the same home for a few years now. We are thinking though uh, of selling and moving south. The, the winters are just so cold. So thinking warmth would be good. But you said that your sons have moved away, and if you move away, who's cultivating your land? I mean, are you renting it out? Land? We only have this tiny little plot that basically our house fills up. Oh, I mean, our land, we inherit and pass it on from generation to generation. I work in land, my father worked it, his father, etc. And same thing with all of my neighbors. I know there was a few years ago, sadly enough, uh, one of our neighbors, he fell into terrible financial straits and had to sell his land. Oh. But 
thankfully, he had a cousin that came and actually bought it for him so it could stay in the, in the family. You know, actually, just last year, a Gentile came through and offered to buy my land. He was looking for someone. He, he liked my vineyard. I felt insulted. It would be like selling part of my family. There's nothing wrong with selling your land. You know, maybe you could have used the money to buy better land or maybe some of your own goats. That is just unthinkable. It'd be, it'd be like treachery, betraying my family and betraying my father. You know what happened to this Gentile? He ended up going to another village looking to buy some land there. And he found this girl there that he was interested in and she and her. So he talked with her father and his father just flat out refused. He was not interested at all. But... But, you know, it happened, they got married anyways. And so her father drove them away. Well, that sounds just really harsh. Harsh? No, she knew better. She should thought of what this would bring on her family. This brought shame on her family. The only way her father could deal with it was to drive her away and try to restore some of their family's honor. So what you're saying is your actions are determined more by what other people think and whether that brings honor or shame. Like my actions, they're based on whether what I think is right or wrong. Don't you have like little voices in your head telling you what to do? No, I mean, I'm, I'm not really following what you're saying. I mean, my community, that kind of determines, you know, that, you know what do they think about this? If my actions bring honor, then I might do it. If it brings shame, then I want to avoid it. But shouldn't this girl have been able to marry whoever she wants? It doesn't matter what her parents think. She was under the authority of her father, and she needed to respect that. Oh, that just sounds so overbearing. I can decide what's right for me. You know, everyone is under the authority of somebody else. I mean, I'm the patriarch of my family. I have the authority over everyone. But then, you know, I still have to defer to the authority of the elders and other leaders in the village. We all defer to the king, and even the king is supposed to defer to God. Speaking of God, um, I'm curious how you approach your faith and if we worship in some similar ways. Well, I mean, my goal is to love the Lord God, our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might. That's you know, a, what's known as the Shema. And I pray this twice a day. I love to read my Bible. I probably have six Bibles. You must be incredibly wealthy to have six copies of the scriptures. Our village is incredibly blessed. We've got an entire copy of scrolls that we keep in our synagogue that we use. Uh, but what's more important is what I've got stored here. I've memorized from a young age. I've got all the way through and memorized the whole thing. Unbelievable. I thought memorizing one verse a week was too hard. Um, but you know, I just want to let you know, my faith really is important to me. Um, I go to church every Sunday morning and uh, sometimes on Wednesday night too. And every day I start out my day with the Lord. I have a little quiet time. And so I'll read a couple of verses in the scripture and then a little booklet, um, something encouraging, and then have some time that I pray. That's so nice that you and your family can take that time to study in the scriptures and prayer every morning. Now, they're doing their thing. This is, you know, my quiet time. You know, I'm just reading it to myself and praying quietly. 
So you're saying you read silently? That, I've never heard of such a thing. Uh, you know, for me, it's my daily rhythm in the scriptures, reciting it, talking about it with others. Um, we were in the synagogue. I try to get there multiple times per week that we can open up the scriptures together, read, discuss, and study them, and we pray together. So what you've been telling me, Gidon, about it sounds like your whole life is pretty much wrapped up in your community. Uh, it, it, it's just not that way for me. We kind of do our own thing. I just can't really imagine that. I mean, for me, you know, to have a wonderful family, to have food on the table, to live in harmony with everyone, you know, what more could I ask for? Well, Gidon, it's been really nice talking to you today. Maybe we can have you back again sometime. Oh, I thank you. You know what? You and your husband should come over for dinner tonight. My wife will make a fantastic meal. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just too busy. No, no, really. I absolutely insist. Uh, you must come. There, maybe remember the goat cheese that I mentioned? You could have that. No, sorry. Really, I can't come. Um, but thank you for joining me. Shalom. Wow. That's... There are quite a few differences between our culture and theirs. I mean, this idea of individualism versus community, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's quite different. I mean, there's, it's not that you've got one or the other, other though. It's, there's a spectrum of it, and you could go even further than the biblical culture. But, you know, this is why, you know, com community is important. This is why churches do have this emphasis, or at least should have emphasis on providing community, that people aren't just showing up and leaving, but you should be connecting with other people. Even though I know the Eastern perspective is important to understand, I'm a Westerner through and through, and so in a proper Western way, I want to summarize what we've been talking about, the differences between Eastern and Western cultures through some proper Western bullet points. Mm. So we've looked at where Eastern people find their identity, and it was a lot more based on their community than their individualness of themselves. Um, their homes the, and their land, it was a lot more focused on public space with minimal private space. And what motivates their behavior is trying to gain honor and avoid shame much more than an internal feeling of, of guilt. Um, authority, too. We saw that there's a lot more respect uh, for an acceptance of authority. And some differences in faith, we saw there was a lot more communal engagement in, in the faith practices. Right. And we'll look at these and more in the coming lessons, in the coming weeks, uh, look into more detail. But uh, you know, for now, let's kind of just jump into the text, just look at a few examples of how this kind of plays out at a, at a high level. Um, one example is that our English word you can be singular or plural. Uh, most of the languages, if not all other languages, I'm not sure, they're two separate words. So you can well, easily tell. We have y'all. Well, you kind of. Or you guys. Yeah, something like that. But that's us trying to adapt to the fact that we're lacking it. Uh, so when you read the Bible, it's got two different words in both the Older and the New Testament. Uh, so 
frequently throughout the New Testament when it's using you, it's very often plural that Paul is like speaking to the community as a whole. Um, for instance, here's one example. 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So the you is plural, uh, but the actually word temple is singular. So the ESV, that's the NIV. The ESV captures a little bit more accurately here. Or do you not know, do you plural, that your body, singular, is a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have, uh, whom you have from God? So you collectively are a singular temple. So if you go to that world and you look at what temples looked like, here's two examples of some Greek temples. Now, temples were made up of lots of individual blocks. Uh, and so if you imagine like a person being each block in the temple, it's not that each block is a temple. We like to say, you know, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. No, no. You collectively form the temple. So here's one temple where all the blocks are together. Here's another temple where all the blocks basically are separated and fallen apart which temple would you like to be a part of? If you want to be a temple by yourself, that doesn't really work. You're a temple because you're a part of a community. Another scripture example is one that we see on mugs and bumper stickers and uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So we Western individualists read, God knows the plans I have for you, for me, individually. The plans for welfare, da, 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 to give you, me, a future. But we need to look at the context that this was written in, too. Who does God have plans for? Um, it's not a promise for each of us individually. The context is this is written to the tribe of Judah who is about to go into exile in Babylon. Very few of the people who heard Jeremiah saying these words were gonna ever see their land again. Uh, terrible things were ahead for those individuals. Things like King Zedekiah, his children were gonna be killed in front of them and his eyes plucked out He's going to be taken to Babylon and prison the rest of his life. This verse did not apply to him individually, but God had great plans for the nation of Israel. So this is a promise to the community, not promise for each individual. So to recap what we've talked about today, uh, understand that the Bible is written to individuals in a community, as part of a community, but not separate from it. Uh, likewise, understand that there's this Eastern versus Western uh, contrast that we're showing. Uh, we're focusing on community today and for this series, but there's a lot of other differences as well that we're just not even talking about. So we're just ignoring them altogether for now. Uh, and finally, the, you know, the Bible is written by Easterners, to Easterners. It's, it's just assuming this more Eastern worldview, and we need to enter into that 
in order to, to understand it and grasp it. So we hope that this session gets you thinking more about how communal biblical culture was and such a contrast to our individualistic culture. Mm -hmm. Continue the conversation at bridgestothebible.com where you can download the episode guide to this lesson and more. You can download, that includes the notes, discussion questions, and more. Tune in next time where we're going to look at the concept of honor and shame within biblical culture. And this is just such a foreign concept that, it, I mean, it's still something I struggle with because it is so different than how we view this world. So I hope you will join us. And until next time, Shalom! shalom.